0: this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's so good to be with you and um, I'm desperately hoping that this stand stays upright for the duration um, oh here, here comes a nicer one thank you I want to we're going to be talking today um, from oh sorry I should say this hi I'm Tim I'm, I'm part <laughs> hello I'm part of the leadership team here at Jubilee thank you very much please thank my glamorous assistant. Actually, he is glamorous and he does know how to serve, um, and and that's saying some something for someone who leads a church. So thank you very much, Graham. Um, we're going to be looking in Acts at the end of Acts four today. So so if you want to try and find that in your Bible, if you've brought one with you, or maybe you can scroll to it. Um, Acts is written by a guy called Luke, who wrote the book of. Luke. Um, so, so the book of Luke, Luke generally tells the story about Jesus, um, and then Acts is actually the is basically what happened after Jesus went into heaven, and so it tells the story of the early church. And we're going to have a look at Acts 4. Uh, I think we're starting in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, Those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I want to give you a bit of an insight into um, how our leadership team meetings work when we're allocating who's going to be talking about something or other. Uh, we we're talking about who's going to be going through Acts and, and things like this. And, um, and, and we've got some you know, we've divided it up and we've got some slots to fill. And, and Graham will say, right, okay, uh, earlier on in, in Acts 4 here, we've got the longest Christian prayer recorded in the Bible, okay, and, and the most almighty prayer meeting that happened, okay, this is earlier on in Acts 4, and I'm there, and I'm like, oh, me, me, I love long prayers, I'm really good at long prayers, I love them, I could preach on that, yeah, can I can I do that one, please, please, no, I can't, John gets to preach on that, <laughs> Acts 5, and Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, there's drama. I love a bit of drama. Can I, can I do a bit of drama for that one, Graham? Please, please. No. That gets done later. No, what I get is this kind of tag-on at the end of Acts 4. It feels like it feels like Luke's been told by his publishers to take a little bit of a breather. You know, you've got the, the most almighty prayer meeting going on in, in the history of the Christian church. There were earthquakes and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and it was just amazing. And on the other side, you've got Ananias and Sapphira and they're being struck down and it's terrible. And in the middle, it's like, whew, guys, just get your breath. All right. Whew. Just everyone calm down. It's all right. We'll just say some nice things about the church. Here we go. If you've got that impression from this little bit of God's word, I want, you, I want you to know that it's nothing like that at all. I think that this word is true and is from the living God, and I think it's got as much to say about what it means to be Jubilee Church Derby as anything else in the Bible, perhaps even more. So let's pray and get into having a look at this. Lord God, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that it's totally dependable, it's totally believable. And we thank you for the, for what you did through your church. We love it, God. And Lord, would you take these words, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And thank you for these words that you've inspired that people wrote down, but you inspired. And and as I speak them, would you land them in our hearts? Would you apply them to our hearts with a new weight that, that we haven't known before? Would you speak these words to our hearts, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Right. So... A little while ago, I was 30. Sorry. Yeah, all right. It's not really a heresy, is it? Okay. Quite a while ago, I was 30. And on my 30th birthday, get ready for this, I took possession of a people carrier. My first ever people carrier. And do you know what, actually? Okay? Citroën C4, Grand Picasso, seven seats, 1.6 diesel engine. Actually, massive blessing. Huge blessing. It's like on, on the motorway. It's like driving a lounge. You just sort of it, you just sort of go along, and it's got this nice big window, and 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 yeah, it's and it's just comfy, and it just it just goes along, and it's even got oh, it's even got armrests. It was the first car that I ever had. It's got armrests, and oh yeah, absolutely loved it. And actually, I was aware that it was a real blessing as I took ownership of it. And and I committed to God. I said, "Lord, thank you for this car. This is a real blessing. And I know that you bless me to bless others. That's always the way that happens in the Bible, right? So, so Lord, let me use this car to bless others. So it's got seven seats in it, and actually, most of the time, we manage to use more than the four of us. Not because we keep going through the drive-through all the time, but." Because we're actually putting more people in the car than, than just our family. It's really cool. And it's a real blessing. And, and it's cheap to run and it just keeps on going and it's brilliant. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense, that car. And I'm grateful for it. Well, I was. I've got another one. But anyway, same, same kind of car. Right, anyway, a little while after, got this amazing Christmas present, okay, it's a Christmas present, me and my brother-in-law got it, um, to go drive in a rally car, okay, around this track, right, oh. turn up, well, we, me and my brother-in-law and, like, my mum and dad and my sister will come along, and I've got the biggest car, so I take everyone there, right, and, and we we drive along to Silverstone in, in, in this car, and, and we get out and it's a, it's a beautiful February morning, it's cold and we get, and me and Phil get tuition and drive around in this Subaru Impreza, two litre, petrol, turbocharged, this thing purrs, okay? You just, you just, with your big toe, you just sort of put it on the accelerator and the thing just goes <laughs> like that and it just goes. And you can barely contain, like the four-wheel drive can barely contain the amount of power that it's got. It just slides all over the place. It is fun. So much fun. And we were ragging it around this track, and the instructor was fearing for his life. And then we got out of the car, and I was just like, I've got so much more to learn about rally driving than, than, you know, you just look like It looks like it's sliding around, right? How hard can it be? They hardly stay on the road at all. It's a lot harder than it actually is. But I love driving this car. It was amazing. We get out of that, we finish, we have a nice cup of tea at the, at the track, and then we, we're heading back. And I've got some, I, I finish up taking my mum and dad and my brother uh, brother in law and my sister back, and then I'm picking up some people in Bedford, uh, some friends of ours to bring up here for ministry um, uh, to, uh, in, in the church, and so I'm really looking forward to that too. And So we're getting in, the, in my lovely blessing of a Citroen C4 Grand Picasso seven-seater, nice big lounge of a car, start the 1.6 diesel engine. And it just does this thing that diesel engines do on a cold February morning, which is go, I really hate you, I really, really hate you, you're such a loser for driving this stupid diesel car. Uh, uh, uh. I've, I've just been driving this thing that purrs, and I, li- I literally, slam the steering wheel I go I hate you too <laughs> later on in the day when I've got an, another car full and I'm bringing them up the motorway to Derby and we're having a chat and and it's lovely and we're just we're just enjoying such a brilliant time I don't wish I was in the Subaru and in second gear driving across the the mud up to derby and and not being able to or having to concentrate for my life and not being able to talk to anyone. I'm having a great time in the blessing of a car that God has given me. But in that moment, when I started that car on that February morning, my head and my heart were not lined up. They were not anywhere close to being at one with each other. My heart just wanted to be back in the roar, in the purr of that rally car. But my head knew that actually it would cost me an absolute bomb to run. It would be ridiculous. They weren't lined up at all. Here in Acts 4, we start off with all the believers were one in heart and mind. I've just told you that there's one time, there's a lot of times where I'm not one in heart and mind. And and here in Jerusalem, we're saying that all the believers were one in heart and mind. That's a lot. That's a really big deal. And I want to see if we can get into what that actually means to be at one in heart and mind. So... We find out they're all at one in heart and mind. Why? So so let's ask the questions. Really good question. If you don't understand why something is happening in the Bible, have a look at what happened before. All right, let's go back. Let's just go back a verse, see what's gone on. So we were looking in Acts 4.32. Let's head back to Acts 4.31, which I didn't get to preach on. And, and here we go. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Earthquake. Okay, this isn't just people shaking in the Holy Spirit. This is the building shaking with the Holy Spirit. Okay, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So this is what has just gone on before all the believers were one in heart and mind. So what okay let's have a look at what there might be what what is the what is the evidence what what's gone before is this actually are these two just coincidences that one has come before the other well do you know what i don't think it is if we have a look in ezekiel 36 he promises in fact we sang one of these lines earlier i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, as in a heart that's soft and responsive and, and able to, things are able to get through and things are able to get out, not a heart of stone. So here in Jerusalem, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're given this new heart, not a stone-cold one, but one that's open-hearted, that actually they can let their emotions out and actually... They can be responsive to other people too. Now, when Ezekiel is prophesying and talking about this is what happens, in um, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to take out your heart of stone and put a new heart of flesh in you. He isn't just talking about that's going to happen for you. Okay, earlier on in his prophecy, in Ezekiel 11:19, we see this. Okay that I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh so so here Ezekiel is going all right I'm going to I'm going to take out the heart of stone give you a heart of flesh but actually it's not it's not just for you it's not just for you. It is imp- it's important that this happens for you, but actually the point is that I'm going to give you one heart. It's going to be one. There's going to be a unity across the people where their heart is changed. And it isn't just going to be an individual. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your heart is changed. And there's a oneness and a connection that can that hasn't even got into our minds yet. We haven't talked about being one in heart and mind yet. We're just talking about hearts changing, hearts of stone becoming hearts of flesh, but being given one heart. And so... Paul alludes to this. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues, or gift of languages. And when he's talking in, in um, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14, he's telling them about how to use these heavenly languages. Okay, and he says that if I pray in tongues, okay, in a heavenly language, you might have heard some people using some tongues earlier as we were worshiping. He says if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay, so there's, there's a lot of activity going on in my spirit, but actually, it's not necessarily happening in my head. He goes on to say, actually, so I want to pray with my spirit and my head. Okay, but but some of that is sequential. Some of that's I'm going to pray with my spirit, and then my head will get the idea what's going on. When he writes to the church in Rome, in uh, Romans 8, he says this, that we do not know what we ought to pray, for, but sorry, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So here we have this strange. Phenomenon, this, this amazing thing where our hearts can pray in the spirit and we can intercede for stuff that we don't even know is going on for. So I don't know if you've ever had this this, this desire maybe to pray in tongues and go, I, I don't know why I'm, I, I just feel like I, God's calling me to pray in tongues here. I just need to do it, pray in tongues. And then you end up finding out what it is that you're praying for. It's like, oh, wow. Lord, you are leading me to pray for this and to get involved in your will. And and I'm ending up praying for something I had no knowledge about. But Holy Spirit does because, because he's filled your heart and he's filled my heart and he's filled your heart. So actually, if I want to end up praying for Ben and I don't know what to pray for, then I can pray in tongues and actually my spirit... Is is interceding for him because Holy Spirit knows what's going on with Ben. Holy Spirit knows what's going on with Mercy. So I can pray for for you, Mercy, just by just by praying in tongues and and just be, and believing that that the Holy Spirit will will intercede um, on, on that on your behalf to the Father. And that is before any of it has got into my head. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should leave our minds at the, at the front door when we come into church, leave our minds at the front door when we come into Christianity. Of course not. Actually, it's, it takes a real discipline to then go, okay, God, what, what is this? What am, I, what am I praying for? Reveal it to me. Show me what it is. Trying to, trying to understand the will of God is an is, is important thing to do, and it, and it takes practice. But we can ask the Lord, "What is it? Show me what it is, Lord. Help me to understand it with my mind." In Jeremiah thirty-three, he says, "Call on me, and I will show you stuff that you don't, that you have no idea about." That is clearly a paraphrase of what it says, but it does say that: "That call on me, and and I will show you stuff that you do not understand." And this is all because of a changed heart. Before it's even got into our minds. So we're still talking about Acts thirty-one yet I haven't got into even talking about Acts thirty-two, which uh, Acts four thirty-two, which I'm supposed to be talking about. So we've we've seen what a changed heart can do, and how that can connect us in one heart. Let's see what happens after that. So after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I'd love to have been in that prayer meeting. (laughs) That would have been so cool. And, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So here's the next thing. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Here's the mind bit. John chapter 1 verse 1 In the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Who's the word? Jesus. We see that just a couple of lines down in Acts 4.33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In Philippians um, uh, 2.4 and 5, Paul says this to the church in Philippi. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mind that you have is the mind of Christ Jesus. Ooh. Again, Paul's right into the church in Ephesus this time. In, in Ephesus, um, Ephesians 5.25, he, he talks to husbands and he says this. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ Loved the church and gave himself up for her. We hear that a lot at weddings. Check this bit out. That he might sanctify her. That that means make her holy. Make the church, us, holy. Having cleansed her by the washing of water. Baptism. With the word. Okay, now. I don't wash in words. I love words. I don't wash in words. Okay, this is quite a difficult thing to understand. The, the, the closest thing I could kind of imagine is, you know when you're, st- do you remember studying for exams, if, you, if you've had to do that, right? And you just feel like you, the coffee's worn off and you're studying hard. And you just think, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll take these words and I'll just, I'll just see if these words can just go into my brain. If I just put my head on the words, and maybe if i mi- if it mixes with the saliva that draws out of my mouth, like maybe that will just sort of float in there somehow. Okay, maybe that's that's what it means to be washed in the word. No, it does. I, I wish that kind of studying worked. I wish kind of osmosis just kind of went. Oh yeah, I've just I've just read the whole Bible just by putting my head on it. No, you got you got to read it. You got to apply it, but. But actually, you know, washing is an important thing. In, in the hospital, um, uh, we wash our hands before and after every patient. We, by doing so, we dramatically stop the or reduce the transmission of infection from one patient to another because we're, we're getting rid of the infection off our hands, and, and um, it means that it can't pass on to someone else. Washing... Regularly in this weather, it's a good thing to do, just so everyone's happy, right? But, but washing in the word is actually the process of just taking these words, reading them with faith, reading them with belief, and an open heart, which the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit and saying. Holy Spirit, you inspired these words thousands of years ago. Would you help me to understand what they mean today? Would you apply them to me? And actually, that regular washing of the word, that regular reading of the word, changes us. It actually makes us more holy because we are just, we're, being, we're getting into the word of God. And that is such a good thing. So regularly do that. Regularly read the words and regularly talk with other people about how it is that how it is that Holy Spirit's applying that in your life. Or or you, you're coming up against something, and you go, I just don't understand it. What, what does this washing in the word thing mean? I, I've got no idea. Talk with someone else about it. Get to understand. Well, hang on, what what do you think this is? Read about it. F- find out because Actually, reading the words of the Lord is just so important. Reading your Bible, it's, this does not save you by any means. But I tell you what, it's a way, it's, it is the way to get to know God. If you, don't, if you don't know your Bible, then try and get to know God some other way is just not going to work. Reading your Bible is so important. Get into it. Share it with other people. Feast off it. This is so. Just let these words permeate your heart. Let them permeate and, and change you. In we're still talking about the mind and the, the believers being changed or be, being one in heart and mind, and and that uh, when Paul speaks to the Romans. At the beginning of Romans 12, he says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've seen that the believers were one in heart and one in mind. And we know that that's a tricky thing for that to even match up in one person let alone across an entire church. But Paul says to the Romans there, he says, don't conform to the way of this world. Don't do that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we can can see later on in Acts, or later on in this passage that actually... They're particularly talking about the sharing of possessions. And actually, there the weren't needy people among them because actually if someone had need, someone would sell some land that they had, someone would sell one of their houses and bring, bring it to the apostles' feet and that money would be distributed to, to people as they had need. But, so I don't think it's going to be big news for anyone to hear, oh, yeah, giving money is a countercultural idea. Giving your money away is is a is something that this world just doesn't quite get how does how does that work how does giving your money away work surely you need, you work really hard for your money just just have it spend it enjoy it save for the future but how does giving your money away work i want to suggest to you that even that this was an even bigger deal for the Jews of Jerusalem because the Jewish people were in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. They had, they had no home. They were called out of, essentially, their, their captivity into the desert. They were going, oh, we don't like it in the desert. Can we go back to captivity, at least we knew we were going to get some water, and they had to learn to become reliant on God every day for their water, for their food, in the desert and then they were called into the promised land, and in the promised land, they had this new thing called property they had to they had land where god's chosen people were. That they were told, look after this land, it's yours. You can sell this land if you want, but you can only sell it for a little bit of time. You can't sell it in perpetuity, you can't sell it forever. You only, every seven years, this land is resetting back to its rightful owners. So if you've been given the land, if this land's been given to your clan, your tribe, your family, then yeah, you can sell a bit, but actually you're only leasing out for however many years is left of the 7 you are not allowed to sell your land it's important this because god wanted them to go god wanted them to the people not just not just the the entrepreneurs he wanted everyone to understand it's important to give the land a rest it's important that you have a rest it's important that um, that you take time to feed foreigners in your land it's important that that you take time to feed your hired workers right all of this was a really important deal with the concept of jubilee the concept of cancelling debts at this point the concept of land returning to Donors. When Moses is first talking to the people about this, Deuteronomy 15, he says, there shall be no needy people amongst you. When we read Luke talking about what the early church is like after encountering the Holy Spirit, There were no needy people amongst them. When Moses is talking to them, he lays down these rules and he says, look, if you want to say, oh, actually, we get to the sixth year and maybe we should start sowing for the seventh because God says, don't worry about it. In the sixth year, you're going to get enough food for three years harvest. Okay, enough harvest for three years that will keep you going. Don't worry about it. You can trust me. You can depend on me. If I've told you to do this, trust me. It's going to be all right. And so, so he, would, he gave them this, this promise, and you can read about uh, that in, uh, in, in Leviticus, uh, that, that he's promising to, to give them three years' worth of harvest at the end of the sixth, so that they don't have to sow and they don't have to reap in the seventh they weren't allowed to plant at all. But there must have been people fearing. Ah, but what if the what if it doesn't come in? What we need to. And there must have been people going. Ah, yeah, well, if we've got three years harvest out of this one, what well, it can't harm just to like sow a little bit for the next for the next year, right? Maybe we'll get three years harvest out of that. So actually, there there would have been people wanting to not take God at His word. But God said, if you, if you trust me in this, I will bless you. If you don't trust me in this, hands off. You ain't getting my blessing. If you want my blessing, if you want me to, to be in this, then let treat the land and treat the people as I have said. This is so important that when there was this like, you know in a pantomime there's a really there's just a bad guy in the pantomime that everyone comes on and they boo everyone boos right King Ahab was one of those kings okay he comes on and just everyone's going boo King Ahab although they probably wouldn't have done that out too loud because he would have killed him. He goes to this guy called Naboth who 's got a vineyard close to his palace close to ahab 's palace he goes, "I want to use your um." I want to use your vineyard as a vegetable garden for my palace. Just give it to me. I'll give you a better vineyard somewhere else. Or if you want, you can have the money. But either way, he's onto a winner. He's going to get a better vineyard or the money. And Naboth goes, "No, nah, God. God told me not to sell it. Can't have it. I can't. I can't give it to you." He knew that this would have been a bad idea. He wasn't doing it just to annoy the baddie king. He wasn't doing it just to be obtuse. He knew it would have been a bad idea to actually cross Ahab. And actually, it did turn out to be. And God took his vengeance out upon Ahab's family. But the point was he didn't sell his vineyard because actually I can't give you this land. I can't. This is my inheritance. This is is what God has given my family after hundreds of years in captivity and wandering in the desert. And we've got this place and I'm not letting it go because this is the kingdom of God right here in this physical place. This is what God has given me. So it's a really big deal when in Jerusalem, people who have lands, people who have houses, they're like, oh, wow, promised land. We're all set up for the promised land. They're going, hang on, God's fulfilled all of that. He's fulfilled it now. Actually, it's not about the promised land anymore. Jesus is coming back. His disciples go, oh um, uh when are you coming to, to release the promised land? Uh, Holy Spirit comes. A whole bunch of languages come out because the message of the good news of Jesus Christ has to go out beyond the land, has to go out beyond to, to the ends of the earth. It has to go. Stephen in Acts later on is he's stoned to death for saying that, for saying that. Um, Jesus was going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Because it wasn't about the temple. It was about the temple. So when they start giving up their promised land and going, yeah, I'll I'll sell it. I'll give it to the needy. That isn't just them going, I've got some money that I've earned. That's them going, I'm giving up my inheritance because the kingdom of God is no longer here in this place. I'm not, I haven't just got this. He's calling me to something else. He's calling me beyond. All of the law, all of the temple, all of the promised land, all of that is just a scaffolding like you would see on the outside of a building And then that gets fulfilled, it gets taken away. And inside we see that Jesus inhabits those who believe in him. Inside the scaffolding, we see the presence of God dwells in his believers and they are called to release the presence of God wherever they go. And so actually, the money that the, the Jews were bringing from the sale of the land was just, was actually, well, it's fulfilled anyway. This, this land was only on loan to them in the first place. This money that we have is only on loan to us in the first place. He who, do, he who um, does a good thing lends to the Lord, gives it back to the Lord. It's for God. Believers were one in mind and heart. And that resulted in massive generosity. It meant the fulfillment of scripture. It meant, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing, I'm used to seeing in, I, I love looking through the Bible and just going, oh, is that Jesus there? Is that Jesus? Like, we're, not in the Gospels, but like in. You know, in, in like the Psalms and stuff like that, so many Psalms, which is just, like, oh, wow, that's Jesus. You know, Psalm 23, um, uh, sorry, Psalm 22 is just, is just so much about the, the suffering that, uh, that Jesus will go through and to, say, to save his people. And, and it turn, it's, it's all over the place. We, we see it in Isaiah um, uh, loads of things like this. But actually, sometimes it just turns up in unexpected places as well. So in psalm, in psalm 72, this is definitely a psalm about the Messiah, okay? We see that. Endow, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, the afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people, save the children of the needy. He'll crush the oppressor later on. He will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy. He'll save the needy from death. There there were no needy among them. Because this is the work, this is, we're, we're, we're seeing the Psalms expecting, oh yeah, here comes Jesus. Actually, here is Jesus right here in Acts 4. He's, he's gone, hasn't he? Oh no, the body of Christ is still here. They're still acting as Jesus. They are now Jesus in that place. And, and there were no needy amongst them. The fulfillment of the scriptures is seen. Ah, there won't be any needy among you anymore. Because, you're, because of your generosity, which comes from the fulfillment of these scriptures. The generosity that comes from knowing that this land is not your own, that it's only on on loan to you, that this money was given to you to look after, to steward. Do you feel at one, in heart and mind, with other people in Jubilee, if you're part of Jubilee? I'd would love to know that you were. That's the way it should be, but I'm certain, just by numbers, that actually there'll be people in here that don't feel at heart at one in heart and mind with Jubilee. Is, wh- why is that? Is that is that because of disagreement? Is it disagreement that you're going actually? Me and this person have got something against each other. Do you know what? Go and sort it out. Go and find that person. Talk to them about it. Work it out in grace. There was much grace upon the believers. Is it because you're not feeling connected? No, I turn up. No one asks me how I'm doing. They don't know what's going on for me. Are you part of a life group? Are you part of a... a, Church is busy on a Sunday morning. You don't always get a chance to talk to everyone. Are you part of a life group where you can actually share part of your story, what's going on? I guarantee, if you're hooking up with people during the week and sharing life together, you won't be feeling alone during the rest of the week. You won't be feeling alone when you come on a Sunday morning. There'll be people who have, who have prayed with you that week. There'll be people who you've been texting that week. There'll be people who you've been on the phone to that week who are going, oh, hi, you've got so much more shared experience now. Who are you sharing your experience with? Who are you studying the words of the Lord with? Is that just a personal thing? Or are you sharing that journey? Are you going, oh... I just want to tell you about this. You know, if, if you've got the, um, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can do a, a Bible study with other people. You can just invite other people to the Bible study, and then you can work it through together each day, or, or you know, you say or however many days, you're going to do it every other day or whatever, and then you can, and you can write a little bit about how it's impacting you. So you don't even have to be with someone to do it. You can actually read how it's going for that person really important that we just get into the words and we and we wash in it because because it will change us the kingdom of god is not about the here and now the kingdom of god is not about this building or any other building that we choose to be in it's not about our bank account it's not about any ministry that we have really. It's about the fruits of it. It's not about here. Jesus has fulfilled it all. It's going beyond. It's going to the ends of the nations. And he wants to change us in that process. He wants to make us the most generous of all the peoples in the earth, he wants to—he—he he wants people to know when they look in on on Jubilee, when they look in on any church. Hey, everyone! This is how you'll know that these are my people, because of the love that they have for one another, because of the love that they show for one another, and the love that flows out of here to the poor and the needy. You know what? Can I ask if you're feeling poor and needy in this church have you told someone have you told someone it's important that you do because actually that needs to be shared you know it needs to get beyond the heart of stone to go oh, do you know I'm struggling with this or financially I'm struggling with this or I, I need help in this area or with this temptation, or I just feel like God's, I, I want—I know God's calling me into something else, something bigger. Pray for me in this. Help me in this. Talk to someone about it. It's so important. I wonder if we can stand to pray as we close. Lord God, we honor you. Jesus, we thank you for our salvation. Lord, we long to move past that moment of salvation and to be called into the power of your grace that is abundant upon this story in the early church. And we long that, that, that for us to say that there was so much grace over jubilee, so much grace over us as we, as we proclaimed with power the resurrection of Jesus Christ to all people. Would people be able to look in on the stories of people in this church and say, surely God is amongst us. Please, Lord God, we are nothing without you. We don't want to build this this church without you so come and inhabit it come and inhabit the 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 pleas of your people come and inhabit the cry of your people Lord God to to come and fill our hearts Holy Spirit come and change our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh come and renew our minds come and wash us in the word Come and lead us in ways where we minister to the needy, to the poor. Let it be said amongst this church, Lord God, that there are no needy people amongst us, not because we all shop at Waitrose, Lord God, but let it be because, just because of the generosity that exists within these walls and that flows out beyond. Lord, let us be open and honest about how we're struggling, how we're Enjoying you, how we're living for you, how we're how we're um, how we're having hard times or whatever they are. Let let us just be open and honest about that. Let let our hearts be responsive and expressive to each other. Lead us in relationships that just build and deepen. And Lord, help us to understand what it is to be filled with Your Spirit. Help us to, Holy Spirit, would you just, would you come and fill people? Now I ask. Would you come and renew our hearts? Come and bring your gifts amongst your people that there would be new leases of life in prayer new leases of life as we read your words new uh, such a strong desire upon uh, upon people as we as we uh, to to read your word and just get deeper into it and and lord god would you bring such revelation things that we just there was no way that we could understand if we just tried to do it without you but with this new heart lord god would you would you help us to understand would you see would you help us to See this revelation in you. Oh Lord God, we love you. We want to build your church, we want to build your kingdom right here and beyond the walls of this church. Go with your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're finished for the morning. If if there's been stuff that has really resounded with you that you'd like to pray about, um, then you can come forward and and pray with me or with uh, some of my friends up here this morning. If there's uh, or or turn to the person that you've come with and go, I'd really love to pray with you about this. I want to do you know what? I want to share with you this. Or if if this whole Jesus thing is totally new to you and you really want to find out more about it, please come and talk to me or the person you came with. Um, Otherwise, if you're parents, please go and pick up your children and, uh, and join us for tea and coffee outside. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and we'll come along on any Sunday morning.